It's time to turn down the noise and tune in to News You Can Use, the show that gives you a quick insight into the latest twists and turns in healthcare news, where every diagnosis comes with an order of side-splitting humor. Your hosts are Dr. Nick, a longtime host, innovator, and healthcare wizard who can prescribe a digital dose of innovation to cure even the most ailing operational inefficiencies. And Dr. Craig Joseph, the healthcare guru who can diagnose both patient and software glitches with equal precision, making sure hospitals run smoother than a well-oiled robot dock. So buckle up, because we're diving into the ER of excitement, the ICU of irrationality, and the waiting room of wacky wisdom. Now here's Dr. Nick and Dr. Craig. Welcome to the month of September. I'm Dr. Nick. And I'm Dr. Craig. This week, we're dissecting the latest healthcare news, unraveling the twists and turns and making sense of the debacles. Just remember, life's a lot like breaking news stories. Unpredictable, often absurd, and occasionally leaving you wondering if it's all just a cosmic prank. This week, we're taking a look at artificial intelligence. And in this particular instance, did it manage to diagnose a rare syndrome? Was the customization that contributed and should you tell ChatGPT to take a break? And what's going to happen to healthcare jobs with all of this AI? And we also dive into uh, health influencers on social media and, and see if they're all good. We talk about the drug pricing craziness in the United States and look into metformin and try to understand what some uh, new research shows about it. First off this week, let's talk tethered cords and artificial intelligence. So first off, Craig, let's talk about the tethered cord syndrome and some of the original work that's being done for patients using ChatGPT as a diagnostic tool. We saw some amazing progress with this, right? Well, we have. I think um, AI seems to be a thing. That's uh, if you listen to us. You, Just you a little us. bit. You hear us talking about that. And um, this was recent. Uh, there was a, a recent uh, discussion in a scholarly uh, journal <laughs> called the Today Show. The Today.com. <laughs> the Today Show from NBC, where I get all of my medical information. Um, I don't really, but uh, they did. Uh, they did call out a um, this uh, this the story of a mom who who had a child who was just always having rather disparate problems that that no one could no one could um you know look at one pro one solution for this problem and you know he was doing weird things he was he was acting out from time to time and and he seemed to be um get better with with uh pain medicine like tylenol or motrin and and he had other kind of uh of concerns uh that were maybe dental or maybe psychiatric or maybe behavioral health or and he had seen all every, of these every every physician's perfect patient that they look forward to seeing and I, you know in fairness i'm i, I don't want to be mean because obviously terrible for the child but what a nightmare, right? I mean, they present and you just, you've got it, all of these things coming at you. And and as a pediatrician, it's the same, uh, <laughs> the same frustration that the mom has of why can't someone just tell me what's going on with my kid over, and this is not over months, this is over years. And um, ultimately though, she she took all the, all the lab tests and all the symptoms and just kind of threw them in as a story into chat GPT and, and asked uh, the AI, uh, 
you know, what's a list of differential diagnoses? What are some of the things that could cause this? And uh, it came up with a diagnosis uh, called tethered cord syndrome, tethered cord. So the spinal cord getting kind of stuck on something so that it, it can't move. And as the child uh, grows, it, it generally gets worse. And and one thing that uh, that she said was key for her is that he couldn't sit with his legs crossed. Um, and, I was going to say I have that, but it's a completely different problem. <laughs> and you're a little you're a little bit older. Yep. Uh, Dr. Nick than this patient. And so, uh, you know, he couldn't sit that way. And that was one of the, one of the giveaways. And, and so it suggested <laughs> this AI with no specific training suggested that uh, tethered cord could be a, a diagnosis. And, and finally she got to a pediatric neurosurgeon who ordered the appropriate MRI and said, there it is. So I, you know, that's good news. I, I mean, I, clearly for the mum and, and the, uh, the, the son who experiencing all of this chronic pain and sin, I mean, I, I can only imagine. And, you know, my limits of pediatric was, uh, I, my memory of the pediatrics was uh, limited to essentially one specific thing that I recalled always. Uh, if mum says X, X equals true, always. No matter what they said, they always knew that there was something wrong and that was about the limits of it i gotta be honest i had to look up this tethered cord thing because that was a newbie but it wasn't in your practice no it, it you know tethered cord is something that i saw a lot of patients with as a as a pediatric resident at a at a children's hospital or a regional children's hospital so certainly i saw that uh, but um uh, I have never seen a, a patient with tethered cord uh, in practice. You know, just kind of walking in, walking in the in the door. So it's it's not that uncommon. Um, however, it's not the first thing that you would think of, right? Mm. And and I think one of the things that we're often taught in medical school is that common things happen commonly. And yeah. so <laughs> the first thing we're thinking about are. Um, we're on to zebras again. I can feel it. We are, we are. <laughs> and so this was a, well, this is a zebra, but I, th I think, um, you know, the good news is that the, uh, the AI, um, given all this kind of disparate information was able to kind Managed of to pull this it out. out. Yeah. 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 I so a, I just want to know why am I saying zebra instead of zebra, which is the right way to say it. But anyway, that's a different story. Um, so I, I, you know, that's good news, but Clearly, as you pointed out, untrained. So this is an AI system that doesn't have medical training, although when it took the uh, MCATs and I think even some of the, uh, was it step one, step two? I forgot. On the latest version of it, it was doing extraordinarily well. So it, it's clearly got some capacity, but it doesn't have intelligence. Um, you know, there's some risk with this that, you know, maybe it comes up, generates something that is entirely incorrect how do we sort of reconcile that how do we get to the sort of level of tuning this so that it becomes an appropriate tool for everybody to use what's the sort of pathway for this this is difficult to manage with a, an uncontrolled unit well it's it's uh you know to your point um uh it, this is a tool that has to be used correctly, right? And so you're you're absolutely right. I I would expect that often you throw these uh, um, these kind of pieces of information in there, and you're going to get garbage, just kind of garbage back out. And and um, the reason I think it worked well, and the reason that this the story uh, got on the Today Show uh, was that um, this mom was an expert. 
She she was an mm. expert and what her kid didn't have, right? She knew that it wasn't this and it wasn't that because people have been working those things up, those common answers. And so um, when she saw something that she wasn't sure what it was, in fact, I think it says in the story that uh, when it, it mentioned tethered cord, she found a Facebook support group for parents of kids with tethered cord and started asking around there. And and those parents were like, yes, yes, and yes. Mm. And, and and so, you know, then you walk in with a very focused question to your pediatrician. Uh, I need a I need a referral to a pediatric neurosurgeon because I'm afraid that my child might have tethered cord syndrome. You know, if you walk in like that and and um, and after you've looked on Dr. Google to find out what are the signs and symptoms of tethered cord syndrome and they they um, they mimic what your what your child has, uh, you're going to get that referral very quickly as as yeah. she did. So good story, good outcome. I think, you know, some lessons in there. I think one of the ones that I took away, and it was something that I came across, and, you know, I've been messing around with this stuff and chat GPT for a while. I know you have, and I think this was a discovery for you when I tossed it over for you to uh, play with. But chat GPT actually comes with an option that I think almost nobody goes and, and spends any time on, and it's called custom instructions. And what it allows you to do is to tell ChatGPT a couple of things. There are essentially two boxes. One says, what would you like me, ChatGPT, to know about you to provide better responses? And then the other one is, how would you like ChatGPT to respond? And the, the better responses already allowed it to reference me and know some of my background. So it customizes. So I'm getting actually better content coming back at me that is sort of uh, tuned to my clinical background and some of the things that I know and do and understand and also some of my interests. But then what I really liked, really, really liked was the uh, customization of what came back. And this was where I really went to town with some of the recommendations. I said, treat me as an expert. Um, you know, don't start providing, um, uh, you know, uh, content that tells me about moral uh, choices and so forth. Um, you know, there's all these safety protocols in place that are actually distorting the content that's coming back at us. And, you know, I'm not removing that because I don't think this is a bypass. That's not my purpose. And to be clear, I actually don't think that's a good idea. I know that it's sort of preventing some of the terrible use cases that we see. And of course, those are the ones that people pick out. But you know, who's deciding what's appropriate, what's not. And, you know, there's there's all sorts of, but it, it just, I, I got this, you know, much better content coming back that gives me, uh, you know, references even. It uh, puts the references and the links to where it got the information if it has links. Um, I, I don't need to be told each and every time that this is an artificial intelligence. It's not, by the way. It's just a word generator in my experience. But, um, you know, that's another thing. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, well, I, isn't it? It is. I, it is just a word generator. That that is accurate at the at the at the bottom. Yeah. Um, you know, I think this is all related to prompts, right? And so, mm. essentially, as I understand it, and I had never heard of this before, you would, you know showed me a, an article and a couple of tweets about it. Um, I think it just reads the. It, it basically just runs these words that you've put in there um, before it answers every question. 
right? And so um, it's it's essentially part of the prompt of you know, hey, take listen to these or or read these words. Um, and it's not a lot. I think you get fifteen hundred characters. Yeah, it's fifteen hundred characters. It's limited. Yeah. Um, and, and, and then it answers the question. And, and some of the things were pretty amazing. Like, Hey, I'm into pop culture. So if you, if you find any pop culture references, make those, um, or also if you get anything that, um, seems like a strange association, uh, I I'd love to hear about those things too. And so you're, you're able to kind of, um, uh, push it in a, in a direction and, uh, and how it works, I don't think anyone uh, could tell you, but it, it does seem to uh, it does seem to work. And people are constantly going to be playing around with these and tweaking them. And then you and I could put the exact same prompt in and get, and get. ridiculously different responses. I, and that's a, you know, I think it's a good thing if you use it in the context of what it's, I think, designed or, you know, the, the general purpose, particularly with this general model that's publicly available is, you know, go experiment, use it to sort of, I use it to just sort of interact with and come up with ideas. It generates things that uh, make me think and, you know, come up with some other things. I think the other thing that I saw at the same time was this whole take a breath. Um, <laughs> and that's one of the instructions you can use to actually um, get it to come up with a different uh, response. And that might sound really weird, but Actually, the underlying reasoning is, you know, once again, it's where it's pulling all this information. It pulls it from the Q&A forums. And if you've ever read those and you see people getting really frustrated with technical challenges or, you know, reasons for things not working. And, you know, one of the experts will jump in and say, let's take a deep breath, you know, let's go. And and it's associating that with an actual answer and comes up with something that's just a little bit more relevant. I, I think we could do that in healthcare as well. Well, and and this was specifically with, I think it was a different AI. I think this was something that Google was putting out, but they literally added the words, take a deep breath and work on this step by step right. and found that they ridiculously improved its ability, uh, especially around math. Yep. So, because um, it doesn't really do math like a calculator does math. And so, um, you know, to go from, I think it was something like 30% to, yeah, it's, there it is, 34%. Um, by adding those words, the accuracy went up to seventy-two percent. That's that's amazing. That's um, amazing, right? Right. By just telling it, hey, you know, work on this step by step, and uh, somehow um, magic happens, and and no one really knows why. <laughs> we we have thoughts about it. Um, and I, I was actually, as I was reading the article, I looked at some of the comments, and uh, the very first comment was, "Prompt engineer is a real job." Right? Yes, it is. Like, Absolutely. And, and the next person responded, um, not to denigrate that work, but engineering makes it sound precise. It's clear we barely understand the models right now. It's more like prompt alchemy. <laughs> I like, I want to be a prompt alchemist, definitely. I, that, I you know, right I, now. for those who aren't prompt you know, wizard, I like it. Wizard. It, it is. There's some. There's some magic to it, and um, and and since we don't really know why it works, we simply seem to find this association that makes it better. Um, alchemy seems like a much you know prompt alchemist or prompt magician or prompt wizard uh, seems like a, a much better term. Well, I was all about grabbing usernames. I got Obi Wan Kenobi a long time back before it was cool. Just to be clear, when he he wasn't the young Obi Wan. Um, now I'm wishing I had Gandalf because I could be uh, uh, Gandalf the prompt generator or something. So 
Yeah, no. Thank you for for telling us that that wasn't cool at some point. But now those <laughs> those characters are you, cool. You needed to know that, right? <laughs> I I was not aware that they were made cool. Um, but if you say so, Doctor, I'm Nick. not sure. <laughs> I just in my own mind, uh, you know, I reject your reality. Substitute my own. Always. That's, that's fair. Yeah. So we saw some uh, other interesting news. I thought jobs to be done in healthcare by AI. You saw that, right? There's, um, you know, things that I think we're going to see changes and re- I, I want to say uh, adjustments at least at, at a minimum. Thoughts? Well, they. I think this article does a good job of kind of breaking these down into clinical parts and non-clinical parts, and then kind of going from consumer or patient facing to professional or you know, clinician facing and, you know, right in the center are things that affect both parties. Uh, Mm. So like, you know, patient intake, why am I, why is a human necessarily involved in, in asking questions? Can the, you know, why are you here? Um, it probably can collect that. Um, but it gets much more complicated when you talk about clinical decision support. So suggestions that physicians might want to follow that's, that, that's a lot different. So I I, th- I think for things that just seem to be rote um, and that there's not a lot of clinical experience or clinical thinking involved, um, AI is generally going to be the way to go. Hey, when can I get that? When are we going to schedule that next visit? Um, how do I get that bill out to the uh, to the insurance company as, as uh, quickly and accurately as possible? Um, how how can I not? How can a physician not be involved in in pre authorization? of, uh, you know, getting an, an MRI. Um, cause Ooh, I've already touching a nerve, touching yeah, a nerve here. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I know, I know, but, but, you know, AIs can probably handle the vast majority of those yeah. things, um, as well or better than humans, either from the insurance company side or from the, the, the doctor or hospital side. So, you know, why are we involved? Why can't the AI just answer most of them? And then for the ones where it's a little iffy, uh, shoot that out and let a human actually deal with that. I think the capitalist nature of uh, healthcare at the moment is that both sides are trying to uh, build AI tools that essentially are competing. It's a bit like the chess uh, competitions. And, uh, you know, it's uh, a nuclear arms race as to who can uh, develop the fastest and smartest um, as quickly as possible. And, you know, the better solution, as you suggest, is uh, work together to find a reasonable approach to this that everybody goes, yeah, that makes sense. But I, I think sometimes these are economic decisions. They're not actual clinical decisions. But um, opportunities for discussion at another time, I think. Uh, absolutely. I, I just have one one quick story. Uh, and you may not know this, that um, I actually, uh, at one time when I was practicing, I had a day off and I spent some of that time um, as a as a advisor to our um, our local, our state Medicaid uh, system. And as such, as a practicing uh, physician, I was asked to um, to authorize surgeries that needed to be authorized that the nurses couldn't authorize. So the nurses that worked for the same for this quality organization had, you know, some standards that they could look through. And, and most of the time, 80 or 90 percent of the time, they could approve the surgery. Well, if they couldn't, it would come over to a doctor. And so I was asked to approve or disapprove of a of a patient to get a hysterectomy, which is awkward as a pediatrician. And I, I looked through all of the medical records and couldn't find a good reason. So I called the physician 
And this is where AI will fall down. I called the physician and I said, can you explain to me why you want to do this surgery? Because I'm looking through all the records and I don't find any of the major criteria. And, um, and he said, well, I don't, I don't want to do the surgery. And, and there was a pregnant pause there. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm confused. We got a request from your office to have the surgery and uh, but you don't want to have it he's like no 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 i don't want to have it but i can't convince that the patient that she doesn't need it so um i i said i would do it and uh if you want to if you want to say no that would be great and i i, I yeah yeah so talk about abdicating responsibility uh, holy uh, smokes you know an ai is not going to be able to handle that situation um, just like can you guess which movies i was watching over the weekend when i say merlin's beard um it was not a james bond movie. no it was not there was harry potter i was living through that dream again <laughs> All right, so um, we're uh, talking healthcare influencers. Uh, I, I just a delightful piece of news to finally find some of these folks who are pushing out this junk information. And I, boy, this is a big list of folks that could potentially go on this, but actually got prosecuted for pushing out uh, just. Uh, unfounded scientific and i didn't i hadn't even heard about this the same as i hadn't heard have you been asked whether you think about the roman empire every day because i got asked that just recently and i was uh, what <laughs> I, I, a lot of men say yes to that question i'm not no, one day of them or ergo yes go look that up uh, did you just swear at me in Latin? <laughs> if only I could. No, I didn't. My Latin wasn't ever that advanced. Um, but that, no, so this this guy is recommending a raw meat-based diet. I, and dear Lord, I, even if that's your thing, I, I, anyway, he's, um, and he was really, a, if you saw the pictures, he was totally bulked up. <laughs> so this is the best part of it. He's, he got there with, I, I, I can't even believe this bill. $11,000 of steroids per month. How do you pay that much for yeah. steroids? Are they but that expensive? Did I miss something? Did he forget to mention that on his influencing? He it he was just. <laughs> oh, he forgot that part. Yeah. Oh, dear Lord. I just, I am, well, you, I, I'm shocked. In general, you should not choose um, your, your medical professionals uh, based on a follower count. Um, for you, yes. For you, yes. For me? Yes. But for most people, don't go just by that. There's probably other criteria you want to look at, uh, um, that are, are far more predictive of a good answer. Shocking to, uh, think that that's actually a thing. But then when you see some of these people that were promoting, uh, just go and get your, how much was it? Was it a $4,000 MRI every quarter or something as a, um, one particular celebrity was promoting that. I wonder if they'll um, go and prosecute there as well. What do you think? Um, I, you know, takes time. Takes time to catch up to people. Uh, so I don't know. Boy, I sure hope so. So, all right. So a um, little bit of time left. And um, uh, we've got a couple of things left. Uh, the blame game on drug pricing. Um uh, essentially, everybody's pointing fingers in the uh, the high cost of drugs, massive differences. And we come out on top. Yeah, well, I, no one comes out on top, um, but I know who comes out on the bottom. That much I can answer. <laughs> uh, it's the patient. 
Um, oh, this one, yeah. this one study um, uh, looked at the exact same medicine from for the exact same uh, kind of patient, you know, uh, with the with the exact same kind of insurance, actually. And um, uh, on one day, that that same medicine, uh, one person would get charged nine dollars, and another person would get charged ninety six dollars. <laughs> And your 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 insurance card will look identical to that person's. And one of you is paying nine, and one of you is paying ninety six. And there's there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason. And um, I I think the article was looking for who's to blame, and the answer was all of us um, that that put up with a system like this, um, I, because there's no there's no logic. So it kind of throws a whole monkey wrench into the idea of that uh, patients will want to save money if you make uh, healthcare transparent or at least healthcare data transparency uh, a priority because then I can go and, oh, I know if I get this medicine at this place, it's going to cost me this much. Nope, you don't know that. It, it's still, it still, it still shocks me. It shouldn't, but it does. Um, all right, we've just got Time to squeeze in one last thing. And of course, favorite topic of mine, longevity and, uh, you know, what can you do? Uh, there's lots of noise, certainly in, in the space, talking about metformin, which is a drug used for diabetes. Um, it's uh, based on goat's rue. I think that was the original um, uh, source of it. It's been used for hundreds of years at this point in, in various forms. And one of the most interesting, intriguing facts was that you look at diabetics and their life expectancy and cause of disease, um, and if they were on metformin for diabetes type 2, we saw improved outcomes. And the EPIC research, which is a favorite of yours, showed or confirmed that that was the case. Um, now, uh, correlation, causation, to be fair, no recommendations. There is clearly... Lots of research to do. The problem is doing research is very difficult um, because there's no money in it because it's a very cheap drug. So are you going to start taking metformin now? I'm not going to start taking it yet. Um, however, it does seem, you know, based on on these data from from Epic, a big electronic health record system, that that if you're on metformin for diabetes type two, um, it's it's likely to help your uh, your your sugars, but it's also likely to help other things like Alzheimer's and other kinds of, and cancer and, and heart disease. I don't, I, I am worried about the, the correlation and causation question. So, um, is it just that, wow, your, 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 um, glucoses are much better controlled. So now all these other things that are related directly or indirectly have also been improved. Uh, I don't know. I, it probably doesn't matter uh, what the cause is. If, if it continues to be associated, it's a good thing. And, and metformin seems to be a, a med that I would jump on if I were if I were diagnosed with uh, diabetes I, type 2. I think fair comment. But we find ourselves at the end of another episode uh, exploring healthcare's mysteries before they become your emergencies. Until next time, I'm Dr. Nick. And I'm Dr. Craig. <laughs>